Hello, beautiful alchemist. Welcome to Reiki Radio. I am your host, Yolanda. And today we're going to have a very interesting conversation. It's actually a topic I had personally never heard of. And I'm sure for some of you, it may be your first time as well. But there are actually a couple of topics we cover in this conversation today. I had an opportunity to sit with um, this beautiful human named Fatih. And Fatih is the creator of MyMayanSign.com. It is a website where you can learn about the ancient wisdom of Mayan calendars and more specifically find out about your uh, Mayan, I, I was going to say astrology because that's what he calls it, but he also says himself that it's not necessarily um, in the way that we would think. So if you want to learn more about your own Mayan uh, astrology, what your blueprint may look like, so to speak, you can go to his website, mymayansign.com. And he also has a book on Amazon called Sacred Teachings of Mayan Astrology, which you can download to learn more from as well. But I'm sure you're going to enjoy this conversation. Um, there is a lot of uh, beautiful insights that were given. And he also shared with us why it is important for him to support uh, other men in becoming mature in their masculinity. And in that lens, we talked about Tantra. Now, Tantra, I'm sure a lot of you have heard of, but you know, a lot of us don't really understand what it is or what it's about or even really what it's pointing to. Um, I know from what I've heard over the years, I just thought it was very much related to sexuality, but not entirely sure uh, what it meant in clarity. So we do have a conversation about Tantra. That said, I just want to say if you are listening to this episode now around young ears, you may want to pause and come back and listen to the episode later because we do have a little bit of some adult discussion towards the end of the episode. But in either case, I hope you enjoy the conversation. Be sure again to learn more about Fatih and his work at mymayansign.com. And if you want to talk about the episode or just about your path, don't forget to download the Energetic Alchemist app and join me for the Reiki Radio Roundtable discussions on Tuesdays. Okay, I'll see you on the other side. Okay, everyone, welcome to today's episode. We are here with Fatih of my Mayan sign. Dot com And I have to tell you, Fatith, I'm very excited to learn about the ancient wisdom of Mayan astrology, Mayan calendars, because I know nothing about it, never had a guest talk about this. So firstly, mm -hmm. thank you for making the time to come have this conversation today. Thank you, Yolanda, for having me. Yeah. So, well, I want to start there because I'm sure a lot of people listening may have never even heard of this. I had never heard of Mayan astrology until I came across you and your work. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to ask you, firstly, could you tell us a little bit of a background about Mayan astrology and what it's based on and then also how it plays a role in your life? What even brought you into this study well, first of all, it's very common to hear that um, people didn't hear about this before. It's not a very common type of astrology. 
even in fact, the word astrology doesn't really fit perfectly in the situation because astro means star and logi is like the science of it. Uh, there's not really, it's not a really star-based system. It's more a spiritual system uh, that has been revealed by the Mayas um, around 2,500 years ago. And there's this 20-day cycle, which every day has a different sign, different nawal, a different symbol or energy, you might say. And <clears throat> it's not astrological at all. It's not based on the planets or the constellations. So it's a unique system. Um, I was very hesitant to call it Mayan astrology in the beginning, but then I realized, okay, like let's just use it for convenience. Um, so it's a shamanic kind of uh, system, I would say. It's based on the understanding of uh, metaphysical cycles of time, where it's just revealed to the Mayas as it is. You know, like nobody really knows where it comes from, where this information comes from, or why is it like this? But it is, okay, so one of the things, because even when I was reading your work about it, it does have some basis in time cycles, and you mentioned that just now. Mm -hmm. So is it, and you mentioned that there are different signs that correlate with the days. So is that how it works, that we just have this particular mm -hmm. cycle of time, and then every day it just repeats itself of what the association may be yeah that's like the core cycle i would say the 20-day cycle okay which every day is a different sign at the end of the 20th day it goes back to the first day for example today is a muluk the water day or can be called offering or fire so this energy will come up every 20 days mm -hmm. and there is also the so-called the tones or the numbers of the each day today is eight and there could be maximum 13 so after the 13th day it will go back to the first day so when you multiply 20 with 13 it makes up this 260 day combination of the cycle of a bigger cycle called zolkin or cholkich the sacred calendar of the maya which they have been following for 2500 years Wow. Okay. So I was wondering how that worked only because I just want everyone to know listening now, they can go to your website, mymayansign.com and you have where we can put in our birth date and then it will tell us what our mm, layout is or what our, our vibration is. I don't know what you would call it. I mean, do we call it our sign? I don't know, but it had these three components. So you mentioned yeah. the the 20 days so we have the is that correlating with what our day sign is and can you share what that part says about us well um when you go to the website my mind sign you will uh three information will come up to you the core sign uh which is actually is consists of these three information one of them is the day sign mm -hmm. the day you were born okay and the tone or the number that you were born, and the trekana sign or the tresana sign uh, that uh, you were born in the week of. So, okay. because each of these 13 day cycles also has a sign. So, it becomes like from the day, there's a 13 day cycle around it, which is also kind of important. And then this is like the 
most basic information. From there, it gets it starts getting complicated. When, for example, when you scroll down to the page, to the bottom of that page, you'll see that there's eight more signs around this main sign. And that's kind of like a horoscope of the Maya, which uh, in fact is a tree of life. Okay. The tree of life. Okay. Yeah. Because I was trying to um, understand what my, my mm -hmm. configuration was, right? So the day sign you said points to the day that we're born, but whatever someone's day sign may be, what does that mean? Like, what does the energy of our day sign? Is it our personality or? Yeah. What does that? Good mean? question. I think you mentioned vibration. I think that's kind of an experimentally nice way of saying that because these are really like energies, vibrational energies. Every day has a different vibration. Okay. Like each tone has a different vibration. Each sign has a different vibration and their combinations make unique uh vibration combinations as well so there we have this 260 of them we also have the knights lords that are nine of them that's make things even more complicated mm -hmm. it only comes up in the detailed report when you buy it it's not on the free version um but so let's keep it simple so i think as i remember you were the night sign right you were born yes. on a night day and the tone being four yes okay so um, so as a four nights, mainly you're resonating with the frequency of the night, the Akabal in the Mayan language. So that is somehow, for example, it influences your personality. Okay? okay. But more than that, it influences your life purpose. It's kind of, I see it this way. It's kind of um, our soul has a mission to accomplish in this life. Right. And, one of these 20 signs, these 20 vibrations will help us the most out of those, the others. So we kind of choose to take birth on this day, on the, on the energy of this day. So this Akbal, for example, for you is helping you to accomplish your life purpose. And Akbal is a very mystic, uh, mystical science, night, you know, like the darkness, the unknown, tapping into the mystery. And also the extremes, you know, like it's not just the night, but it's also the dawn, the morning, the day and the night. Um, so the more you understand how this sign influences you, the more you um, remember things. Like It's like looking at a mirror, I think, and seeing, oh, okay, that makes sense. You know, like this is what I'm supposed to be doing in my life. But it's not as simple as that because we have, we have the tree of life. And which uh, suggests that there's different stages of our life. So the, when we get older, when we grow more mature, it's going to shift. And when we were younger, when we we're children, there's also kind of different energies were there. So okay. during our life, it also shifts to certain extents. Yes. Okay. So if someone goes to the site, mymayansign.com and the elements that come through, the day sign essentially may help us to have a reflection of our life purpose then like the energy around yeah. what it is our purpose may be <laughs> and then i want to ask you more about the tree of life but that comes through if we have a reading with you which you do offer readings as well right does that no, it comes that? from well you can have a detailed report on yes. the mind my mind sign website and that will explain each of these energies it's, okay it's going to be a long report you're going to read something yeah. like 30 20, 30 pages. Okay. 
So, okay. So the day sign though, if someone looked at it, they would know like, oh, this is kind of the frequency of my life purpose. And then what do the tones really add to it? So the tones, I mean, just the name of it alone, it kind of sounds like it is a energy type of resonance or a frequency. Mm-hmm. How does that overlay, overlay or play into the picture of what our life purpose mm-hmm. may be? Well, I need to go into the um, historical background a little bit here because, you know, the the Mayas, they were um, first before the Spanish uh, armies came, they were already like in a downfall of their civilization, you know, like their major cities fell. There were some huge ecological problems that they were having. So, and on top of the Spanish uh, conquest, so they kind of lost their touch with their traditions here and there throughout history. Uh, for, for instance, the long count calendar, which was famous for ending at 21st of December, 2012, the Mayan elders were saying, we completely lost our connection with this calendar. Only the archeologists are telling us what it is about. Of course, they have some wisdom and some knowledge. Uh, so they, they lost the connection with that calendar. They have many calendars, by the way. But with Zolkin, they have a more um, intimate relationship because they were using it for day-to-day life. You know, it was it's part of their culture. It's like their religion in a way. It's like the fundamental center of their um, culture. So, but even though there, there's another aspect that um, that makes information even more scarce, which is that uh, they don't want to share with the Western world. They don't want to share. They don't. They don't trust the Western man or woman. You know, so they don't share. They, they keep it secret. And the tones, there's not so much information about them. There's not so much depth of knowledge about how do they they were using it and what do those tones exactly mean with the signs there's a little bit more because they were really very popularly used um so the tones i would say is like because it's based on a 13 cycle and because it's um based on a different understanding a deeper understanding of the mayan calendars uh, by a swedish scientist called kalaman which um, was my good friend um, he ex- actually explains that um, there's also huge cycles of the Maya, like 13 baktuns, 13 katuns, piktuns, and even bigger time cycles. Like it's a crazy theory, by the way. Like if you dive into his, especially his first books, it's like fascinating. Um, but basically, there's like a holographic resonance between these huge cycles of 13 with the small cycles of 13, which brings me to your question. The 13 tone, the, the, the tone that you were born into is kind of not so much like an individual purpose that you take, but it's more about a divine plan. Like it's more like where you are in the big picture of things, you know, like the oh, divine okay. plan, because the 13 resonates with the divine plan, while 20 is more like individualistic. Does it make sense? Okay. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. So the day sign is kind of like, okay, this is my individual purpose. But then the tone is how I am playing a role in the collective presence of being here in the time that I am born. Yeah. But and I want to ask you about the the final part of, um, you know, the third piece to this that comes through. But first, I have to ask, because it's so interesting You've mentioned that there are multiple 
Mayan calendars. And, you know, to your point, we mostly only heard of the one that was ending in 2012. So them having multiple calendars, do they all do not only refer to some uh, time period, but do the calendars also point to like specific energies in a way, like like one calendar would be about a specific topic or are they solely just based on different frames and time? So you really want to go to the rabbit hole? I'm huh? curious. Do... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, nice. Nice. Because you have the monkey in your tree of life. Okay. Uh, it's your mature sign, actually. It's 12 monkeys on the bottom of your uh, tree of life. Uh, it's like very much curious. It's like our inner child. And we oh. have this curiosity of our inner child. And you have that. And it's going to be more dominant in your life as you uh, get more mature. So, um, yes, the answer is yes. Um, some of their calendars were very simple, like a sun calendar, for example, the solar calendar, which was mostly used for agriculture, right? Okay. To track the seasons and to follow the crop and all that. So, wow. uh, but they also have, they were observing the Venus cycles, and they were having the Zolkin, the 260-day calendar, which is mostly considered as an individualistic spiritual calendar. Like it's more based on the individual to guide and help the individual. But they were having this um, long count calendar, which is part of a tune system. A tune system. What is a tune? Tune is a 360-day cycle. It's just short five days of a solar year, like 5.25. So somehow the Mayas uh, put a lot of emphasis on this 360-day cycle, it, which is not a miscalculation of the solar year because they were aware and using the solar year calendar, okay. which was called Hub, by the way. So the Tune system is more like a spiritual calendar to separate from the solar calendar. But which is still not an individualistic calendar. Zolkin is the individual spiritual calendar. And the tune is more for collective spiritual events. Like it's like to um, do prophecies, you know, like to try to predict the future of the civilization, you know, like what's going to happen to their city, to their nation, you know, like things like that. Or the king, you know, like the king's coming to the, um, sitting on the throne, you know, like all these things. But the Swedish scientist, Kalaman, he took it uh, and really analyzed it very deeply and put it into the right context by analyzing the historical data that we have. You know, the Mayans didn't know so much about um, the history, like, you know, like all the other civilizations that were living on the planet and what happened before the civilizations, how humanity evolved, how biological cells evolved. Because these cycles, they go back um 16.4 billion years like it's you know like mind-blowing you know like yeah. it's like hard to grasp like it's a very complicated very interesting um web of systems um so coming back to your question the tune was mostly there's something revealed to them again which they perhaps didn't even fully utilize mm -hmm. So we can understand, looking at these cycles like tunes, cartoons, and baktuns, we can understand evolution of consciousness, basically. That's the bottom line. Uh, the evolution of 
human consciousness and consciousness even before humans, like the evolution of life, you know, from the first cells, dinosaurs, and then uh, mammals and advanced mammals and all that. There are a couple of like, there are two or three books that he has written on this subject. And, you know, it's a, I think it will, there, we don't have enough time to go into all that. Okay, well, but I am I, curious. I have to ask you another yeah. thing, because I mean, it's sure. fascinating to hear, you know, all of these different calendars, and they do point to specific things. And again, like how a lot of us heard about the, the one calendar that, you know, ended in uh, 2012. With the hmm. other calendars, do they tend to um, extend for all time, so to speak? Or is there a creation of calendars that's ongoing? Like, do do people continue to adapt or, um, you know, re or create new calendars based on what they understand from what the Mayans did in ancient times? Or are these calendars just set in place for a, a predetermined amount of time and then that's just the end of it? Beautiful question. Well, the answer, I don't know. Simple answer. I can tell you what I know yeah. is that, you know, like coming back to the previous answer, maybe is that, so we have all these tunes, cartoons, baktuns, piktuns, you know, like um, exponentially uh, extending time cycles, which reach out to 16.4 billion years. So it's just there. Okay. It is yeah. just on the carved onto the stones in Koba, in one of the Mayan cities. Um, so, and then we have all this historical data, right? We know everything about evolution of the cells and the cultures. So what he did was to just bring them together and see it's not a coincidence. You know, there's a pattern here and these shifts in these time cycles kind of explain in a logical way how all of this happened. So based on his calculations, Columns calculations, the end date, there was a uh, like a, a zero point for all of these cycles to come to an end, which was 28th of October 2011, actually a little bit before the famous dates of 2012. Um, so, and we crossed that point, we crossed both of these time points, and we didn't still come to the end of times, right? You know, like a lot of people and mystics were exp expecting some kind of an enlightenment, a mass enlightenment like the end of times, like in the Christianity, uh, Christianity it was mentioned in the book of Revelations. So some people were thinking, okay, it's, we are living in those times right now. So there's no more evolution of consciousness because we're coming to the mass enlightenment of humanity. You know, like I was expecting that, you know, I was talk, giving seminars about this, these theories before, uh, prior to 2010, actually. But when it was 2010, I was like, this is not really happening. It's not going to happen. So I lost my faith. I started questioning the system. I started questioning him, which in the end, uh, we part our ways. Um, so he still continues uh, his interpretation based on 20-day um, cycles. Uh, but I don't agree with that. So something happens at some point that uh, we, I myself lost track of things. But I realized the Zulkin still works. This 20 multiplied by 13 time cycle still works and it helps individuals. So I decided to make this website in the end of 2012, actually. Um, and it's helping people. I see, I see a lot of good feedback. So 
it's kind of my mission to focus on this. Is that an answer to your question? Yes, it is. No, I mean, really, the more and more you speak, the more and more I wish we had more time because I'm like, wow, this is really, mm -hmm. really interesting. But I guess I can also, you know, get your book, which we'll talk about and read some of these books. Um, but it, it's mm -hmm. just fascinating because I had never heard of it prior to coming across your work. But it, I, I'm also now wondering the purpose in the information. So, for example, nowadays, you know, um, astrology, a lot of spiritual expressions and teachings and um, systems are becoming more popular, more on our radars. A lot of us are um, looking back to even some ancient um, systems and practices to have more understanding of ourselves and just life at this time. And with astrology, I know that it can be very interesting to understand what we may call our blueprint and maybe um, having more acceptance of who we are. So like if I understand mm. the energy or the nature of my makeup, then maybe I will lean into some aspects mm. of myself to try to understand myself in a higher way, perhaps, right? But with what mm -hmm. you're saying, and I'm thinking about the timing where all of this was um, understood by the Mayans, do you think they use these systems to help clarify even people's different roles within the community like what would be the benefit yes. perhaps to understand these aspects of yourself you're very intuitive about this you know okay you just step <laughs> right on it yeah that was one of the major ways that this zolkin calendar was used you know like um, they would look at their children okay so this child was born on this day so his or her uh, tendencies will be along this way so let's educate this child in this direction already. Oh, wow. Yeah, for example, the jaguar sign. The most famous example is the jaguar sign. So when a jaguar child is born, he's going to be the shaman of the tribe, you know, or the magician. So they already start treating this child in that direction. Wow, okay. Yeah, that would be interesting. I mean, honestly, if we looked at these kind of blueprints, so to speak, of children now, mm -hmm. And could even mm -hmm. support more of what their natural um, interest or gifts may be, rather than using just a mm -hmm. generalized system of education. That might be an interesting. Uh, anyway, not that it'll happen, but that might be fascinating. So if I were born back then, then I would have been the child that was just set up to question everything. I would have been the, <laughs> the one in the community, like she's going to question everything. That's her role. That's what she's going to do. That's really interesting. Okay, so then to this last piece. So we know that the day sign really points to our individual purpose. The tone then can help us understand our the bigger picture of our contribution to the collective or like our role in the bigger picture. And then the Trakana, is that how you pronounce it? The yes. Trakana? Trakana so Okay, so what would that point to then? Well, it's kind of, um, it's only influencing the core sign, the day sign uh, you were born in. Like okay. as a four night, your Trisana or Trikana sign is the light, right? Yeah. So it's like, um, that's because you were born on four night. If you were born on a five night or seven night or two night or 12, like there's 13 different combinations of a night sign. 
And for each of these combinations, the trick and sign would be different. So how this sign X out is like, it's like a background for our personality. Like it's like you look at a painting, you look at a picture and on the foreground, you see for yourself, you, we see the, the nights, but the light is like the background of that. For example, I'm a seed person with the trick in earth. So the seed person is who am I? But the earth is like my background. It's like, uh, mathematically speaking, I would say like 25% of your core sign is the Trekanon sign. But the 75% is the sign you were born in, the night sign for you. Mm -hmm. So the background. So when you say it's in the background, is it, I guess my only frame of like a correlation to this is I'm thinking of a Western astrology, even though I know this isn't based on, you know, that type of system but it just sounds like a different aspect of myself so yeah. like the day that I'm born into if it's pointing to my purpose maybe that would highlight in some way what I do feel interested in or what I'm drawn to or maybe even how other people perceive me but then this other one that's in the background is that more of like an internalized part of who I am or a part of me that's internalized. obvious? Not, a, not as obvious, that's true, but it's still internalized. It's my, it's like you're a light-ish knight. You're a light-ish knight. <laughs> okay. Like, imagine, like, I have this background with a forest and a sky. Mm -hmm. It could be a different background. Right. It could be a desert. It could be an ocean. You know, like, so... All these Trekana signs are like different backgrounds for your personality in a way. Like, yeah. I don't want to speak too strongly about the idea that the Mayan sign is determining your uh, personality. I believe you are not your astrological sign. And even in my book, there's a little part about that. Mm -hmm. Like, even before coming across with astro Mayan astrology, I was into classical astrology. I was like, I am not this sign. I'm not an Aquarius man. Oh, I'm an I'm Aquarius. Just, Going to, you too well yes. i was suspecting that <laughs> when's your so your birthday was january birthday 22nd okay happy belated birthday thank it's you like, you too or mine was coming last up. week yeah so the aquarius is just uh making us just giving us uh, like an impression i'm not right. that so it's like you know like the movie matrix you know like we're in the matrix mm -hmm. and um we, have, we are in, in, into this code and the astrological help, whether it is Vedic or Mayan or classical astrology, it's just giving us hints about how we are coded yeah. so we can be free from that. Mm -hmm. The ultimate goal, I think, is to be free from our astrological uh, configurations, to break free from yeah. the astrological uh, structure, whatever that is. In, in yoga, actually, they talk about that. Like, uh, there's a famous, very intellectual yogi, Sri Aurobindo, and he had a partner called the mother, actually. And the mother used to say that the more yoga you do, the more free from your astrological um, destiny, so to say. But the mm -hmm. yoga they're talking about is not just asanas. It's like a whole spiritual path, you know, like all the mental work and the meditations and rules and regulations in your life and so 
I believe that, you know, I'm, yeah. I think that if you take the right actions, you can break free from your astrological um, configuration, your matrix. But yeah. if you don't do anything, it will grab you. And also, if you know your astrological signs and everything, you know the way out. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. No, this is, I love what you're saying, because it's like, oh, that's an amazing way to look at it. Because yes, like, okay, so now I'm literally seeing like our blueprint as this personal matrix. And if we can figure it out and work through the the tendencies of whatever the configuration is, that's where the the freedom lies. It's not it's not yeah. um, staying in the like attachment to what the configuration is, but figuring out what yes. it teaches you to work through whatever those those patternings may be. Oh, that's interesting. Ah, okay. That's really cool. So I, I do want to make sure because we have like, we've gone through half of our time. And I definitely want to talk to you about Tantra too, because it's just one of those topics people kind of dance around about, but really want to know more about what it actually is. But first, I just want to know, even with the the work that you do, this, everything we've been talking about, was there some particular reason you dove into this? I mean, did it help you in a very particular way on your path or was it just curiosity and you went down a rabbit hole? This meaning? The Mayan astrology. Ah. Yeah. Well, it kind of came to me like uh, I was in India, like actually exactly 20 years ago. It was February 2003. And I met this man, this Swedish man. He was doing presentations like about this end of the Mayan calendar in 2012, you know, it was nine years prior. For his system, it was eight years prior. So I was fascinated by the subject, you know, like I just immediately connected with him and then read all his books, all his articles, invited, invited him even to Turkey, where I live, to give some seminars. I translated him and all that. So, and the first two years of my interest into the Mayan calendar, uh oh i just realized i made a mistake it was 2004 sorry it was 19 years ago so when i started reading about it in 2004 i wasn't really even aware of the astrological aspect this individual zolkin calendar when he came in 2006 and he started doing private readings he said i can do private readings too you know like what do you mean you know like based on the date of birth i like astrology yeah so, and I joined those sessions and some of them I was translating them. I realized, wow, this is a really interesting subject. And I started reading about my sign. I was like, wow, it's so much about me, you know, like it's yeah. even so much about me than Aquarius. So I was like, okay, so that's really interesting. And then it started from there. And it's, there was sometimes like I was not so much um, enthusiastic about it. I just put it aside, you know, like I didn't even care about it, but it never left me. I was like, okay, it's coming back to me, whatever happens, I can't get rid of this thing, you know, so I need to really focus on it and give my best uh, into it. And I started doing the readings, then I the website came, and then the book is published recently. So that's my story with it. Wow, that's really, I mean, it's not shocking. And now to know you're an Aquarius, I'm like, of course, we just go. <laughs> but that's that's really, really cool. And I just remembered when you said that, that there was something else I read on your site that I did want to ask you about because I had never heard of it, was the um, palm readings, palm leaf readings. 
So could you explain a little oh, okay. bit about what that is? Oh, oh that's even, <laughs> even more fascinating, I would say. Okay. It's not something that I'm really diving deep into, but uh, it's something that I benefit from. Um, so in this tantric school, actually around 10 years ago, 12 years ago, I met a, a very nice guy, a German friend of mine. And also in the same school, I heard about these palm leaves. And many years later, this information and my friend just came together. And on Facebook, I saw him that he's facilitating these palm leaf readings. And I was like, okay, count me. And I want to have my reading. It was really interesting. So I decided to put it on my website. So uh, what are they? According to the legend, around 5,000 years ago or maybe 3,000 years ago, some rishis in India, some seers, they tapped into the Akashic records and then they uh, like saw all the lives of thousands of people and they started writing them down on palm leaves. Okay. But palm leaves are very uh, like, uh, I'd say vulnerable, right? So they started being copied and duplicate, duplicated. And in India today, according to the myth, there's some 10, 15 libraries where these palm leaves are. And if you have your leaf, it means that all your life is written there. You know, like everything from your past, your future, and what you're supposed to do to avoid some of the problems, how to um, uh, lighten up the karmic load that you're having so that your life will be less difficult, you know, like some of the conflicts, how you can resolve them. So it was the most fascinated, fascinating reading that I ever had uh ever so um that's what's all about that's really interesting so is there as i know you said that they have them at the different libraries and then they were duplicated so if someone if <laughs> when you went and got your reading is it then based on when you were born or is it based on like do they just randomly pull and then whatever comes for it is what your leaf is yeah, very good question. Actually, when you apply for this reading, the only information you're giving them is your fingerprint. Oh, wow. Your right thumb if you're a man, man. if your left one if you're a woman. And that's it. Interesting. And then they take you into a matching process. They don't even ask your name. They don't even ask your date of birth. But they take you into a matching process. So Stefan, my friend, who is owner owner of the company, My Palm Leaf. You can also get readings from him directly. Um, so what he will do is uh, arrange the Zoom meeting with a translator if necessary, like if you don't speak English. Mm-hmm. Or there could be a facilitator because sometimes it's hard to understand the Indian accent. So um, and they took me, like let me explain mine. They took me into this matching process. And it is they take a bunch of leaves from their library and they start trying to match leaves one by one with me and they ask questions to me and this bunch is selected based on when i apply for my reading because these rishis they also knew who would come and when that person would come so the leaves are arranged in that way according to the legend so um and your fingerprint somehow helps to identify a little bit more perhaps and then they start reading. They start, sorry, asking questions like, do you have a sister? No. Okay. Next poem. 
you know, like, uh-huh. is your mother's name like this? Are, is your occupation like this? Um, do you have a brother? Is your brother older than you, younger than you? Is it, do you have this letter in your father's name? These kind of questions. And, you know, like say, no, 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 no. And for me, it took two hours when they said, okay, now we got your leaf. And now we're going to uh, move into the reading. Wow. And sometimes they don't find it. And then you get your money back. Mm-hmm. That is fascinating. That's really, really that's interesting, but even more so, it it makes me more curious about our fingerprints because that's one of those things you always wonder, like, why? Why this pattern? And does it correlate to anything about us? You know, so it's interesting to hear that at least they're using it in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to ask you to, and thank you so much for, again, just like coming and having this conversation. I'm sure a lot you're of people, welcome. they're waking all kinds of curiosity but before I ask you about the Atantra, I do want to mention you have a book that's available on Amazon, The Sacred Teachings of Mayan Astrology. So could you just give us a little bit of if, um, you know, we download the book, what it is that we may learn or what it will help us understand? Well, actually, this book um, is a very much extended version of a little book that I was using when I was teaching Mind astrology, like I was literally taking people and teaching them how to do the readings in the Mayan way uh, without depending on any website or something like that. So there's absolutely everything that you need in, in the book to calculate, for example, find out about the Mayan signs of a person. Because the Mayan astrology is complicated in the sense that, for example, okay, we know when um Aquarius people are born, you know, mm-hmm. you know when Aries people are born. Even in Chinese astrology, we know the exact dates. And they, they repeat, you know, on a monthly and yearly basis. But the Mayan doesn't like it doesn't because it changes every 20 days. For example, uh, I was born on 7th of February 1978, and somebody born on 9, 7th of February 1977 is a completely different sign, or 6th of February 1978, or 8th of February 1970. So we, you have to find exactly the calculation. So the book has that. Also, all the ways to calculate all the different um, directions to create the tree of life and everything else. So it's like a manual uh, handbook for somebody who wants to do this as an occupation. But you don't have to be an Mayan astrologer. I believe any coach, any um, like a healer, therapist, consultant can use the system. Why? Because, for example, when it is a seed day, it's a very important day for me. It's a strong day for me. When it is a night day, it is very important for you. And if I'm not mistaken, you contacted me on the night day. I and did. I took the appointment on a seed day. And I was mentioning to you about already. So these are powerful days for us. These are powerful days for us. And there are other powerful days for us too. So it's a little bit complicated than that. But here is the benefit. For example, if I have a client, and I know I have clients, if I'm going to take them this week, and if I know the Mayan sign of that person, and if I if I had the possibility, you know, our schedules are sometimes too busy not to allow it, but if there's possibility... And if I know that Tuesday is the best day for him, I will take him on a Tuesday. Yeah. Or it could be with friends, with lovers, you know, yeah. like, oh, I know this is her day. Let me give him a call. You know, mm. my business yeah. partner. Oh, this is his day. Let me give him a call today. And 
really something happens there. Really something strong happens there. So this is how to use it. And I think you can just have a quick read of the book to have this idea. But if you want to go deeper, maybe you need to read it one more time. Okay. Well, I'm definitely going to download the book, but I'm also going to put the link down in the description. So I'll have both. Thank so you. for everyone listening, mymayansign.com. And the book is called Sacred Teachings of Mayan Astrology. And just want to check too, because are you still doing personal readings? Yes, I do. Okay, good. Because I'm going to book mine when we're mm -hmm. done. <laughs> okay. Yeah, okay. So <laughs> the other thing I wanted to ask you about is um, your work as a Tantra coach. And I also mentioned, I should mention you have um, a YouTube channel and I was listening to you describing even why this was important to you. And you mentioned about um, helping men learn how to mature in their masculinity. And I thought like, wow, that's so interesting. And how there used to be times where people would um, have rites of passage from, um, from being mm -hmm. boys into their manhood, right? Yeah. And now we don't have mm -hmm. these types of signifiers. But before we get into the why and how this has become important to you, could you share a little bit about what just what Tantra is? Because I think, you know, there's mm -hmm. a lot of confusion around it. Yeah, for sure. For sure, there's a lot of confusion around it. Uh, Tantra is a very, very wide uh, domain of, spiritual science i would say and even astrology is part of it you know mm -hmm. um in the traditional tantric uh literature there is um tens of books like if i'm not mistaken six or four books that are mostly not even translated into another language than sanskrit so mm -hmm. we don't even know most of what this literature is about but they're mostly about um uh anything that's contains the reality what do i mean by that most of the spiritualities are about transcending the reality right um like the vedantic philosophy is about everything is an illusion everything is maya don't go into the maya just go into the absolute absolute truth or buddhism you know like it's all samskara you don't need to go to nirvana while i appreciate and love these approaches very much tantra is some saying something on the contrary which says that, right, this is all an illusion, but you can use the illusion to find the ultimate truth, which is, for example, our bodies. So the Vedantic philosophies, the Buddhist philosophies, they uh, teach to avoid the body and everything related with the matter and energies and sex, for example, as well. Mm -hmm. So that's where the Tantra gets interesting because it involves sexuality as well. Sexuality is part of our life. Our bodies are part of our lives. Maybe it's an illusion, right? But still, I can sit in this illusionary body and focus on my illusionary yantra and still find the ultimate truth. So this is what the tantric philosophy is all about. Therefore, they like astrology is part of tantra. Chakras are coming from tantra. The kundalini yoga is coming from tantric tradition. Um, like the sounds and music and smells and Ayurvedic diets and all of that is part of tantra. So... What you mentioned just before that is um, a parallel field that I've been drawn into even a little bit before I find started finding out about Tantra is men's work, you know, like masculinity work. And um, 
and it started in the U.S. with the uh, mythopoetic movements, initially started by Robert Bly and his book, The Iron John. And he basically talks about exactly, as you said, how the rites of passage was an essential part of our culture, not our, but tribal cultures. Uh, and why is it a psychological, social psychological disaster not to be resuming these practices? Because uh, the rites of passage is uh, when a boy takes, uh, when a boy becomes mature, it's a challenge that he takes given to him by the tribe and then after the challenging process he becomes a man and he's not a boy anymore actually there's a there are versions for women as well um so for example as i heard in cuba when a girl gets her first uh period she dresses very nice like a woman you know like a grown-up beautiful woman and she walks in the streets of the village or the town and everybody claps her hey you've done it you're a woman now it's more feminine right for boys it's much more brutal you know <laughs> like in african tribes they just leave the boy into the forest and some some of the boys they don't come back because he's hungry there's wild animals when he comes back uh all the elders of the tribe they sit down all the elder men of the tribe they sit down and they spit a little bit blood into a little bowl and then they give it to the boy and they say your mother was feeding uh, feeding you now we are feeding you you're not a boy anymore. You're a man. You're one of us. So um, it has um, huge consequences. And lately, this concept has been very much popularized in the West, in the US as well. A lot of people are doing what we call vision quest that comes from the Native American church, mostly Lakotas and other uh, indigenous peoples. And basically, it's about spending four days in the forest no food, no water, no people, nothing technological, nothing civilized. You just pray. You're, you're not supposed to leave a certain area. You're just supposed to pray and have a vision of your life. You know, Think about who you are, what you're supposed to do. It's a very beautiful practice. And it acts as a rite of passage as well. Women can do it as well. Um, so I was, when I went to this tantric school, I was talking these concepts with my master there because we were, we were having this Every Sunday, a female group, like I called a Shakti group, and a Vira group, where like guys were getting together and just we were having our manly discussions, and women were doing their female things, feminine things, and sharing and supporting each other. So um, I said to him, Why don't we do a rice of passage? You know, because it's a very important concept. And he said, Okay, let's do it this year. And we did a seven days water fasting, 13 guys together. And it was challenging you know because water fasting for seven days you mean you can only drink water right for seven days and we're coming together every morning meditating doing some basic simple yoga practices and then in the end of it i got my name wajra because he said you congratulations you finished your uh, rites of passage now i want to give you a spiritual name which was wajra so am i digressing or no, 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 you're okay. completely answering my question. I mean, with what you're uh, sharing, it just reminds me of um, like having the ability to be consciously aware and involved in your next phase or level of maturity. So it's not confusing yes. for the person like you're it's very clear that I am 
moving into a next cycle or I'm moving into this next phase of my beingness and to go mm -hmm. through something so challenging, it seems like it would be uh, quite like awakening for us, like cracking something open. Whereas in yes. the previous years in our childhood, like there's less, you know, I don't know, like there's not really. We were just any... enjoying our childhoods. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So it's, it's a, I like the concept of going into something like this um, very aware because I think otherwise I'm just thinking of like even my own life, like we do, we kind of fumble through the stages of life, like trying to figure it out and oftentimes don't have clear guidance about the transitions mm -hmm. of when our hormones are changing. And then, you know, mm -hmm. just the different phases of maturing. We have to figure out a lot on our own. So no, it, yeah. it's interesting. Yeah, partly it's because of the industrial revolution, you know, like the materialization of our culture, we mm -hmm. cut our connection with the spiritual traditions. Right. And that's a major aspect of this crisis. So we are trying to, um, we are going through like a spiritual renaissance in a way. Mm -hmm. It's going very slow, I think, but it's better than no progress at all. So what I'm doing basically is um, I'm coaching men into masculinity and tantra as well okay and it depends on what their needs are with one individual client i may be working more on sexuality and relationship with women but it doesn't mean that the, the uh, transformation of the masculinity the masculine character is not important it's just not that is as important as some sexual issues with someone else maybe we don't have to deal so much about the tantric sex but we we focus more on his career, maybe, or his uh, status, you know, how he can has a, have a better status or his spiritual evolution or his health or maybe a combination of these. So I I really enjoy doing it because yeah. I have, I'm like, if I was a teenager, if when, I, when I was in my 20s, 30s, I would appreciate such a mentor or a coach. Yeah. So I, it feels really good for me to be offering this. Well, there's two things I want to ask you about it. So I want to ask yeah. you one about Tantra in particular, but you mentioned how with other philosophies, there's almost like this disassociation with body. And I think it's interesting because from, you know, what I've practiced and what I've experienced personally, the body itself seems to be what allows us to recognize our connection to all. And, you know, it's through the body and the, um, I don't, I don't know how to put it into words, but there's something about this vessel that helps us to recognize even what you uh, may consider the goal of other teachings. Like, how can I realize or recognize any sense of awakening or enlightenment without the experience that's had in a very physical way? But as also thinking about the gift of body and that, say, even with like sexual energy. And that's like really powerful energy if you think about it. Like even when you think about the feeling or what we experience when that that energy is activated. Now, maybe we don't know what to do with that energy and maybe we haven't been taught of how to best utilize our sexual energy, but clearly it's potent, whatever it is, right? And then also, I mean, body, I mean, life is created. That's how we're mm -hmm. here is through the body, right? So yeah. it just seems like obviously body would be <laughs> an important part of our path. But so could you explain that with 
Tantra and what you were just even explaining about um, the work with men, because I think when we hear it, we automatically just think it's related to sex somehow, like Tantra, sex, that's just synonymous for a lot of us. But with what you're saying, I'm just curious, does it point a lot to our state of mind? Like, is that a big component that has to be focused on before you even get to the other elements? Like, what's important in Tantra? Well, uh, in the sexual Tantra, the goal is to um, embrace the sexual energy, first of all. Okay. Uh, not like the other spiritual approaches. So embrace it, but don't get stuck at it. Mm. Use it for a fuel of evolution. Transmute the energy, sublime that energy and move it along your chakras and your nadi system, the energy system, and bring it to your higher chakras. So, and also, especially for men, instead of losing it, mm -hmm. preserve it, cultivate it, and transform it, move it in your body. And not just in the physical body. Also, we have the energetic bodies, you know. So yeah. the chakra system. So the more you are successfully doing that, the more you transform your life. The stronger you get in a different aspect of your, um, again, chakra system. For example, if you bring it to your third eye chakra, you become more concentrated and you become more intelligent, which you can use it for your career, you know, like whatever creative work you're doing. The more you bring it to your heart, the more unconditional love you can have. The more you bring it to your crown chakra, the better meditations you can have. The more you bring it to your belly chakra, uh, which is not the solar plexus, by the way, uh, the more willpower you will have, the more heroic emotions and attitudes you will have in life instead of being like, a, as my master used to say, jellyfish, you know, like just a weak weakling and like just being influenced by everything all the time, you know, like... No, you have a character, you have a spine. So, of course, it can be bringing some excessive ego that you have to balance or maybe it balances with opening your heart more, you know. So it has all, it's, a, it's a, like an amazing transformational technology, Tantra is. And mm -hmm. it starts with sexuality, the sexual Tantra. As you said, we are sexual energy. We are born through sexual energy. So it's nice. such an essential part of our lives. And because it is so um, powerful, it's also the one that has been most misunderstood and suppressed and abused and misused. Right. So in Tantra, we are trying to put everything back into the right place by um, avoiding excessive shame and guilt, for example, around sexuality. In psychology, there's this, there are these concepts called healthy shame and unhealthy shame. I mean, so how to define this? Um, we all have freedom. We are free to do whatever we want unless our freedom threatens or disturbs somebody else's freedom. For example, if I walk along the streets of my city naked, I'm doing what I think is free and good for myself. But it dis distracts, destroys the freedom of somebody else to not to see a man on, naked on the street. You know? So, but if I'm at home and nobody's seeing me, and I'm ashamed with my naked body, that's unhealthy shame. That I need to heal and clarify. So again, with, when I'm doing a solo practice, like a tantric masturbation, if any shame or guilt is coming because I'm having pleasure, that's unhealthy shame. But I need to be aware of the boundaries of other people. That's healthy shame. 
So, okay. How, okay. So something you said at first, it sounds like, let's say like you activate your sexual energy, right? However, that's done. So you activate it, but then instead of releasing, you redirect that energy that has been activated. You redirect it up your central channel into the higher chakras. And then you're able to use that energy for something else. You can redirect it towards something else. It's almost like not dispelling the energy or not wasting it, but just directing. Recycling it. it. Yes. Redirecting it. it. Sometimes I call it recycling it. But so then, but how would you act? So I'm asking this for like a solo practice, right? Because we already know. And I imagine if there are different types of, in Tantra, do they categorize like different types of sexual energy? Because there could be, you know, like if you're attracted mm-hmm. to someone and it can feel very lusty, you know, just, just like, ugh, mm-hmm. just like almost like animalistic mm-hmm. primal, but then you can also yeah. have a different feeling of attraction that you still may feel, you know, like aroused by someone, but it doesn't feel as, it just feels different. I don't know. But anyway, if I am working on this by myself and there's no one to, there's no externalized stimulation, like I'm not being activated or uh, activating my sexual energy because of another person, how do you activate that in yourself? Is it breath work? Is it, what, mm. how do you do that? Mm. Well, first, let me answer the first part of your question. Okay. Different types of sexual energy. Like, mm. um, I always simplified it a little bit on the first time I was des- describing these things. And so, for example, on the lower end, we have a root chakra, the muladhara chakra. And we have swadhisthana chakra, the sexual chakra, which is on the pelvis. Um, and then we have the belly chakra. So these all three of them are very close to each other, right? The Muladhara chakra energy is like an animalistic, raw energy. So sometimes you want to, you are attracted to somebody in that way, or you want to have sex in that way, or you want to touch somebody in that way. And its element is earth. So it's like very earthly touch, er very earthly way of feeling and moving. The element of second chakra is water. The Swadhisthana, the sexual chakra, that's most famous for the sexual energy and it's responsible for pleasure and orgasms. And it's very juicy, you know, that even in the English vocabulary, we say it's juicy, you know, like mm-hmm. things that are juicy are sexy. So, um, and the way to touch in this is more like, like flowing like water a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, like very um, juicy kisses and oral sex and all that are typical typical expressions of this energy but it could be very fiery and passionate which is coming from the third chakra the belly chakra which has this element fire so sometimes like the uh, latin lovers or like the tango dancers or like very passionate way of touching moving yeah and um, so they're they're all sexual and could be even from the heart chakra the anahata chakra the element is air and they also have senses too uh and the sense of this chakra is touch so very heart-opening way of making love is possible as well. And that's still sexual, but yeah. very much on a high resonance and very tender and like slow and aware in a way, more conscious because the higher you go up in the chakras, the more consciousness you will have. Right. What was your second question? How you activate it for yourself. Is it breath work ah. or? Okay. Well, 
breath breath uh, sorry breath work can help for sure uh, but maybe it's just about deconditioning yourself first of all how you used to approach the sexual acts mm-hmm. how you used to approach the solo sexual act the masturbation i find it very important and very strong practice to do a conscious masturbation mm-hmm. and and decondition yourself i mean i'm assuming i'm talking to a man right now because mostly how how they do it you know like go to the shower do it in a rush oh my mother is going to come in any moment i have to be rush you know like be quick and tension and all that so i'm suggesting do the opposite go to your bedroom um claim your power you are the king in this half an hour one hour you know mm-hmm. or you are the queen Mm-hmm. So lock the door, put the phone on flight mode, dim the lights, put on some nice meditative music, candles and incense, and just get some nice organic coconut oil and just don't expect anything. No agenda here. You know, like don't right. push for anything. Nothing has to happen. Yeah. Just let it happen. So come out of your mind and touch your body and feel your body. And the body wisdom knows, you know, like something will come out. If some things are too blocked, you can do some... Um, breath work you know like take big inhalations and do some hyperventilation but it's not absolutely necessary so i think this is the most healthiest way because for one reason i am doing coaching online most of the time and this is such a tender field that it's also very much open to abuse right Mm -hmm. in tantra circles tantra schools we hear it all the time so when somebody is touching somebody else, somebody is teaching tantra to somebody else, there's always this risk of being abused or being the abuser. So right. the boundaries have to be set very, very nicely. There are some schools, some people who do that, um, but <clears throat> like consent is very important and all that. So if all these uh, safety regulations are taken into consideration, somebody can help somebody else as well. I believe right. that. Yeah. Okay. So it's interesting because listening to you say, it sounds like, oh, just romance yourself. Like, you know, have a beautiful, mm-hmm. you know, kind of like a, almost Date like spoiling yourself. yourself. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's, it's beautiful. But then the other part of what you said, where you were describing the type of sexual energy throughout the chakras, it just also brought up um, this idea that we can have heightened sexual experience or a heightened um, experience of sexual energy through what it is that you're describing. Because I think we associate a lot of times our, I guess naturally, a lot of us associate our, our relationship to sexual energy based on whatever our sexual experiences have been with other people. And, you know, there's a lot that can come with that. There could be a lot of traumas. There could be a lot of shame. There could be a lot of on and on and on and on and on. Mm. So with what you're saying, it sounds like it gives an opportunity to reclaim, but also re-understand sexual energy and how it can be expressed in all of these different tones or variations. Because, you know, the way you described it through the chakras, they -hmm. they all had like a different texture to them. Yeah. So it's very very interesting mm-hmm. huh oh, i'm glad you cleared that up <laughs> Listen, yeah i mean yeah, yeah definitely to add something there you mentioned therapy you mentioned traumas and definitely it's an important aspect of tantra i think in the traditional tantra <clears throat> there is no therapy you know like 
Right. Hundreds of years ago, there were no therapists. Right. Uh, but uh, living in a post-Jungian era, we can have therapy and there could be sexual therapy and tantric therapy. That's more like a subject of the neo-tantra. And mm -hmm. I'm also nurturing myself in that direction um, as a student, as a client, as a therapist. I'm getting my uh, tantric therapist uh, degree very soon. So uh, I think it's very, very essential that we kind of embrace our teenager self. But before even that, the child self. Yeah. Because sexuality starts evolving and all the traumas around it, they have its roots in the childhood. So there's this therapy called primal therapy that I love very much. I uh, suggest everyone to go into it. It's about deconditioning the inner child. And then you go to the teenager deconditioning, which is about dealing with this exactly as you mentioned, you know, like the way we perceive the relationships, which are uh, burnt into our brain by our first relationships, right? Like mm -hmm. in our teenager life. So we, we can actually consciously go into those times connect with that teenager girl or boy and let him or her feel that we are here to protect and guide this little teenager. Right. I'll do the same with the child as well. And this inner connection, this inner relationship, I call it tantric therapy, is very, very, very important. Right. For some people, it's more important than others, but nothing to do, but complete, nothing that we should completely put out of the window you know like it's very essential yeah and so i know that before we had this conversation you mentioned i believe don't do you have a book or some resource for people around this topic as well yes for men uh -huh. uh, you can also find it on amazon uh, the book is called last longer rise higher okay. uh, subtitle tantra for the modern men um it's on amazon Last longer, rise higher. Okay. Yep. And I'll put the link for that in the show description as well. Oh, thank you. I'm I'm so thankful. I'm really, really glad that I came across your work because uh Fatih, I feel like I learned so much today. <laughs> so so much. And it was such a beautiful conversation. So I really, really appreciate all that you came and all that you shared. I really do. And I want to remind everyone listening as well, they can learn more about your work at my Mayan sign.com which will be in the show notes um the books that we mentioned will be down in the show description as well and so um yeah looking forward to learning more about everything that you shared for us today so thank you for joining us thank you for having me yolanda your curiosity is amazing oh thank you <laughs> yeah yeah thank you so much okay beautiful alchemist Interesting conversation, right? I have to just upfront, first of all, thank Fatih again for coming to have this conversation with us today. I personally learned a lot. I hope that you learned some things as well. Um, again, if you want to learn more about Fatih and his work, also including if you want to find out about your own Mayan astrology, he has right there on the website where you enter in your birthday and it will give you your information, your day sign, your tone, and your trachana. So go to mymayansign.com. And you can also get his book, Sacred Teachings of Mayan Astrology. Download it on Amazon. So uh, aside from that, again, I mean, these, I am thankful for all of the conversations that have been 
going on here in season 10. I feel like I'm learning so much and I hope that some of these conversations are inspiring your your path or sparking your own curiosity. And if you want to chat with me live, like come have a discussion with me. You can join me for the Reiki Radio Roundtable on Tuesdays and that's at 4 p.m. Pacific, which is 7 p.m. Eastern. And you can get access, go to the Apple App Store if you have an iPhone or go to Google Play if you have an Android and you can download on your tablet, your iPad or your phone, uh, The Energetic Alchemist. So just put that in the search box, download the app and I will see you at the roundtable. I thank you all so much for being here and remember to always journey in love. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.